The Latter-day Lives podcast is not owned or operated by The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Any opinions expressed or implied in this recording are solely those of the host and guests and not of any specific organization, unless otherwise stated. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode number 86 of the Latter-day Lives podcast. I'm Sean Rapier. I am the host of the show, and thank you so much for joining us again this week. And I hope that you had an incredible general conference weekend. I was so uplifted and inspired. What a blessing it was to have these incredible men and women speak to us and give us these messages and to have a prophet of God uh, inspire us and challenge us and direct us was just incredible. I'm especially excited over the next few weeks to go back and really listen again, read again, and just study it all and see what else jumps out to me. But very inspiring, I hope it was for you too. This week, my guest on the show, Jenny Cooper, is so amazing. I just love Jenny. Her story is incredible and just such a good example of enduring and really enduring in faith. And I was very inspired by it. That's coming up. And this week in my Latter-day life, I'll tell you about an unexpected review I got on the show from a family member. It's all coming up. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's conversation. And today in the Latter-day Lives studio, we have a very special guest, and I'm super excited because this is unlike any show we've ever done, (laughs) in that I literally know less about Jenny than any guest we've ever had. Jenny Cooper is my guest. Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad for the faith you have in me to be here. absolutely. (laughs) Since you don't know me. (laughs) Well, it's a funny story because I don't know how we got connected on Instagram, but somehow through my Latter-day Lives Instagram profile, I started following you. Right. And first of all, your Instagram name just kind of caught my attention. <laughs> Tell us your Instagram name. So it's Broken to Beautiful. Broken to Beautiful. Yes. Which for a while I was reading as Broken to Be Beautiful. Like that works too. Like <laughs> you have to be broken to be beautiful. <laughs> then Definitely one not. day I realized it was Broken to Beautiful. And some of the stuff you post on there is just, it really is beautiful. Like it's... It's just, it's broken and it's beautiful. So I became I'm fascinated, so started looking through, that. and then decided to invite you on the show. I'll tell you one funny behind the scenes, then we'll get into your story. I invited you to be on the show. My wife said, who is, who's the guest this week? <laughs> I realized I had no idea You're what like, your name was. <laughs> oh, yes. You're like, I don't know. Uh, broken to Beautiful is coming on the show, of course. So, I, But I'm glad you're here. So now that you are, why yes. don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Where are you from? So I'm actually originally from, born and raised in Las Vegas, the real Las Vegas, not some outside town nearby that nobody really, you know, recognizes the name of. Born and raised Las Vegas. Real Las Vegas. Yes. My dad was born and raised there, um, and his, like, grandparents established the muddy, like, around Arizona. Anyway, so we were related to so many people there. I think I was, like, distant cousins with a guy I went to, like, a high school dance with. It was awful. (laughs) Uh, But, like... Yeah, so that's where I was born and raised. The temple is beautiful and kind of funny, This what you just said reminded me of this. So when you're at the temple, especially at night, you know, there's this major street with all the lights on 
And it's really funny because it kind of directly leads to the temple. And then on the other side is the strip. And so we would always joke growing up that that was the iron rod. Like, stay on the sea, see where it leads. The other side is this area, you know, big and spacious buildings. that's awesome. Yeah. When it's not 115 and when you're not on the strip, Las Vegas is a it's wonderful, wonderful place. It's wonderful. Amazing. Yes. <laughs> so you had, uh, you'd mentioned about BYU. So you grew up in the church. Yes, I did. So you, you grew up, you stayed in Las Vegas. Yep. You graduate high school. Where does that take you next? So I applied to BYU, of course. Yeah. Make dad proud. Right? Make sure he doesn't disown me. I think I sent for information from the U just to freak him out. Um, <laughs> Get him on a mailing list. Yeah. Um, and then I applied to BYU-Idaho, really did not want to go there. And I did not get accepted to BYU, and I got accepted to BYU-Idaho, and I literally, <laughs> like, begrudgingly went there. And I just hated that whole semester. I hated it. I really didn't try to connect with my roommates. And so, yeah, I went home. A year later, I just had this feeling kind of out of nowhere <laughs> that I should return. And so I think I went back, like, two months later. Really? And um, ended up getting my associates. Kind of struggled with just, like... Um, mental health a little bit towards the end. And I just realized I couldn't keep it up for a whole nother two years. And so I got my associate's degree. And that's actually when I moved to Utah. That was in 2009. And um, I missed it. I loved it that time. I absolutely loved it. Mm. And I really wanted to go back because my heart didn't want to leave. But I knew I just wasn't kind of capable of taking on those, just the tasks and everything of school for much longer and anyway, moved to Utah and, you know, without going into all these details, two years passed by and I had this impression come to my mind of applying to go back to BYU-Idaho. Oh, wow. And it was maybe a week before admissions deadline. <laughs> <laughs> but because I had been there before, all I had to do was just get an ecclesiastical endorsement. So yeah. it was an extremely easy process. There were a couple other things I had to do, but mainly that that was the only big thing I had to do to apply again. And I found out I got in a few weeks later, maybe just a couple, and I left within a couple months. What was your degree in at uh, BYU-Idaho? It's quite a story, but I ended up uh, studying marriage and family studies with an emphasis in clinical mm. practices. So it basically was almost a pre-marriage and family therapy master's you know, degree, yeah. um, but the undergraduate part of that. So that, yeah, that those last two years at school for me, I kind of count almost, not necessarily like a mission, but I count them as very, very sacred and very personal. Awesome. My life really got on a whole different track. Um, and I feel like I kind of almost had this little view um, to see who I really am. That Heavenly Father kind of showed me like, let me tell you a bit about who you are and what you're meant to do here. I had some really neat experiences. Um, and if it's okay just to share one of them. Please. I had taken this course called um, Child and Family Advocacy taught by Professor Tim Rierk. For whatever reason, I felt very connected to this professor. Um, and he, I would talk to him about things going on in my personal life. And he knew me pretty well. He knew things I struggled with. And just um, I struggled with some anxiety and depression. Um, and anyway, so this Child and Family Advocacy class he taught, they basically were teaching us about public social policy type things and kind of 
I guess they were trying to help us understand real issues going on in the world that were attacking traditional marriage, right to life, freedom of religion, the family, all these things that we hold as core beliefs as member of, members mm. of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and what we could do to stand up for those things civilly um, in a secular world without necessarily blatantly just spewing religion and doctrine at them, but still oh, speaking truth. And anyway, eventually he ended up getting these women uh, to come speak to us uh, from this nonprofit organization that he was on the board of. It's um, this organization that's all about helping support all those same things I just yeah. mentioned, you know, traditional marriage, family, right to life, freedom of religion. And they help legislation be put forth here in the state of Utah, yeah, cool. um, internationally, but also uh, nationally. And one thing they do is go and speak well, not speak, but they go to the United Nations in New York City. And what happens there is there's these events um, throughout these conferences that are being held there that you can decide to go to. I kind of refer to it almost like education week. <laughs> it's not really okay. But sessions. But there's different yeah. sessions that cool. you can go to that are being held by diplomats or delegates from different nations mm. around the world or these NGOs, you yeah. know, um, and nonprofits about different topics so that people then who are going into these assemblies and sessions to talk about international law can hopefully be influenced right. to okay. kind of ratify these. So you're really speaking to the leaders. Right. Yeah. And cool. other nonprofits who are then influencing them as well. Right. Because hundreds of these NGOs, non-governmental organizations and nonprofits come to do that. So anyway, he had these women come in from these groups and they talked about their experiences there. And I would not say this is, you know, what it's like entirely at the UN, but there are some really extreme views there from extreme people there that are pretty radical, right? Not everyone is like that there. But these women had some... In just unreal experiences there of being hissed at and booed at about, you know, being a mother and, you know, wanting, wow. you know, right to life issues and being married to a man. And, and for whatever reason, I just, it caught on to me. And there was something inside of me that just kind of came to life about that. And skip forward some time, I, I finished my coursework in December, was doing an internship with this organization here locally at the Capitol in Salt Lake. And I get a call from this professor and he says, hey, this group is willing to take a couple students to go to the UN in New York City. Mm. And we want a couple of you guys to speak at one of these side events um, because we think it'd be a really great experience. And we think it'd kind of knock the socks off some of these radicals, especially extreme radical feminists. There's, there's a difference there. <laughs> um, to, has, to see young, younger women go up and speak actually about how they're pro-life and pro-traditional marriage. Oh, interesting. And I was like, oh, yeah. You know, for me, that's kind of my personality. I was like, oh, bring it on. You know, I kind of got that fire in me. You don't so. seem easily intimidated, just meeting you oh, a little bit. Man, so. I was just like, cool, bring it on. And and it was just so humbling but exciting, you know, for him to tell me, I want you to be one of those yeah. people. And I was like, yes. So what was that experience like? I What I ended up speaking about specifically was how uh, sex-selective abortion, especially in China, things like aborting female fetuses and female unborn children, really, um, is not helping women advance their lives no. because it is actually not even giving yeah. some of those women a chance to ever come to life. Mm. Um, and so I basically went up there and got to speak and give all these statistics about that. But basically, you know, in the end, say, you know, if if 
we as women want to uphold feminist views, we should let other women have the chance to even come to life and do that themselves, you know? And so that was incredible. There were some people that felt for the first time, you know, maybe I should think about this. You know, I'm pro-abortion, but let me think about this. So I noticed a Based again, I know you from your Instagram feed. Yes. But that you are very passionate about helping women <laughs> specifically. Yes. You know, we've had guests on who are very into helping couples. We've had right. some that are very yes. into children. And you seem to gravitate to really helping <laughs> right. women. And you, you touched really quickly on that you had some mental health struggles. Yes. And I've noticed on your Instagram, yes. you're very into, hey, let's be open about it and getting other women to talk about it. Sounds like you were kind of prepared all the way along to go out and get this message out there. Right. And preparation isn't comfortable (laughs) or easy, right? (laughs) Yeah. Maybe that's something Uh, you don't want to be prepared for. Right. For me, um, with mental illness, I, I say, honestly, I have been struggling with anxiety and depression for as long as I can remember. Mm. Um, anxiety for sure. Um, I think actually maybe a little bit longer than the the depression, but it's been going on for a long time. Um, and I think as a woman, not that men aren't susceptible, I think they are in their own ways, and it's equally as just devastating. But there's so much in culture and society that I think even for me, it started at such an early age um, to be intensified, but it got much worse. You know, I talked about getting my associates and basically getting it, realizing uh, mentally, emotionally, I can't handle anymore right now. I basically mm-hmm. had so much mental, emotional fatigue that I just couldn't do much anymore. Sure. And I wasn't really functioning that well. Um, so that was that. Um, and went back to school after a couple years, finished my degree. And I felt like I was on this spiritual high, you know, after this amazing experience, you know, I just went to the <laughs> yeah, UN and sure. I went on a plane and I lived like, this is awesome. <laughs> like the Lord really protected me on this plane that strangers built and somebody flew and somehow I stayed alive on it. That was incredible. That was literally one of my biggest anxiety fears ever. So that was kind of a miracle that I made it. Um, But then after that, that's kind of when my story changes. Um, So I ended up uh, thinking it'll just take me three to six months max to like find a job, you know, after, after I'm done with my degree and it ended up taking about a year. Mm. Um, and I, um, was living at home with my parents before that I'd been living alone, not only at school, but even before that for a couple years. So that was a huge shift for me. Right. Um, and I ended up just kind of spiraling downward, downward, downward back into a really horrible dark place mentally with depression and uh, it was just awful. Like, I felt like I kind of digressed 10 years um, with some success that I had made, and I just didn't, I felt like everything that I had just experienced and gained confidence in, whether it was like personally, spiritually, whatever it might have been, was just gone and eliminated so quickly, and I felt really, really defeated. Um, And at that same time, I ended up meeting someone, and instantly felt like I shouldn't pursue anything. Um, And not to make an excuse for myself, but I didn't really heed those thoughts. And I just kind of kept going along with this relationship with this um, man. And, um, (laughs) and so eventually, uh, we got engaged. 
uh, spiritually, I was struggling to be at church. Again, not as excuses, but kind of an explanation of what, what was going on for me at this time. I don't think it's an excuse at all, by yeah. the way. You, you, you know, you, you keep saying <laughs> like, it's be clear. not an excuse. <laughs> it's not an excuse, but it's very real. And yeah. I think what you're talking yeah. about, a lot of our listeners have been through or know yes. someone who has. Yes. So, so you ended up continuing on with this, this guy. Right. Um, and increasingly, I just kind of felt like this was not right. And I'd even, uh, you know, kind of bring that up. But it just... It was just very messy, um, and it was a very, very messy, confusing time. Um, and also, something that I feel I had struggled with for many, many years, kind of alongside this anxiety and depression, was this huge, massive desire to just want someone to love me, need me, want me, validate me. I really struggled with that, and I always wanted it from someone else. And so, getting back, yeah, Yeah. getting back into this place of you know depression and anxiety in such a huge wave, Mm. after so many things that were wonderful and spiritually uplifting, it was just kind of I I kind of went right back into that place. Um, And so, looking back now, I can say this: I I understand, you know, I can see what was going on for me. that it was like, well, he feels this way and he wants me and I'm miserable right now. Um, and sometimes you're good with him and this is great. So it's probably because I'm depressed that I'm not feeling A, B or C and okay, you know. And so we were married. We weren't sealed in the temple. Um, and things just weren't really good. <laughs> and yeah. that's not to say that he was a bad person. Um It's just all, yeah, yeah, it was all kind of messy. Um, There were things going on with me. Um, And anyway, as time went on, uh, maybe a year or so passed, I just almost felt, I think the best word for it is almost haunted (laughs) by this thought coming back up of, do I even love this man? Do I even Mm. like this man? And that was terrifying. (laughs) That was terrifying to even consider. And, you know, some people very, very close to me, I'd kind of open that up to just really, really small, you know, very selective people. And of course, they're like, you just need to pray about it and you'll know. And I know you struggle with depression. Um, And for some people, I think that may be what's going on completely. Um, For me, though, I literally was like, I don't want to know if I'm wrong. So I don't even want to pray. Because <laughs> so I was like, if this is wrong, like, that is awful. Like, I don't think I could stand accepting that I <laughs> married someone that I did. Like, that's huge. Like, <laughs> to marry someone, you know, and especially coming from, you know, I studied marriage and family studies. I'm so pro this. Oh, and I was yeah. like, oh, but I just made this massive mistake. You know, no big deal. You know, I, I'm not even sealed in the temple. You know, all these things. It's like, I don't even want to know. So I started to avoid even trying to figure that out. But it literally was like every couple months, it was like a torturous, depressing, dark time Mm. trying to figure this out, but not wanting the answer. Right. But secretly wanting to know. Um, And then around this time, I confronted um, the man uh, that I was married to at that point and kind of said, hey, what's going on? Like, I know something's going on. You've never told me. And ended up being, I struggle with addiction. Mm. And those were the exact impressions that I had had. But I still was trying to be a wife and still like yeah. opening up my whole heart and soul to this person, <laughs> yeah. you know, and like turning to them and really relying on them in every way. Um, and so it was still really devastating. And then, you know, this other angle of it was devastating of, 
I was right. Why did I do this? Yeah. Um, I was right. Like that was the spirit. I thought I couldn't trust myself. I thought it was just maybe me being worried, but no, like that really was. Yeah. I, I can see it. I can see the pain as you're talking. Yeah. And they're like, it hurts. Like it, <laughs> yeah. it hurts me right now to see you. And thank you for being so open yeah. about it. Yeah. I can't imagine being in that space. Yeah. It's almost like either walls closing in or like your own personal life and being and everything, you, your whole world imploding. Yeah. And everybody's story is different in this. And um, I will say this, like, I totally believe recovery is possible. Yeah. Like addiction is real, but so is recovery. Here we are. You're in the depths of hell, I think. I don't um, use that yeah. word very often. I started to refer to it as like this hellish nightmare. Yeah, I believe um, that. Yeah, I can hear it. For so many reasons. Mm. It was so, it was awful. So how where do you go from there, Jenny? <laughs> so luckily I had um, this girl that lived across the street, her and her husband and their kids in our war. They lived across the street. And I can't even remember how we started talking because... You know, even entering the marriage, I was in a really delicate place mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and I was not really reaching out to people, making friends. And because of that also, and things going on in our marriage, some that I knew of, some that I didn't, you know, whether they were with me or with my husband, you know, it wasn't like really this fun time where we were trying to make couple friends and do all. It was very, very isolating and just very difficult. It was just always difficult, um, sprinkled in with, you know, some good things here and there, but it was kind of always like, oh, and then then something difficult. Oh, mm. something dark. Then these questions in my mind, right? So I don't even know. Like, it's a miracle that somehow I even connected with this this one woman. She was about my age. And for whatever reason, she opened up about her and her husband, and she brought up um, uh, the church's support groups and also the 12-step program. And she talked about that, and I didn't say a word to her about hey, you know, no way was I going to open up about mm. that. But so, somehow she brought that up to me. And I think eventually I kind of opened up to her, but that's what got me even thinking about that. I had known about that, but for whatever reason, that never had come to my mind for probably a few months after I'd learned this information about my husband. And it's important so, to note the 12-step program is not just for addicts either. No, I it's think for it's family, for family. It's anyone. for anyone. <laughs> a living, breathing soul. Um, it's Everyone. all about turning to Christ yeah. and how you can really do that, you know, and eliminate anything that is keeping you away from coming to him fully. Sure. Um, and then they have the support groups for spouses um, and family members of those struggling with addiction. And it's incredible. I think being able to be surrounded by other people that literally can say, I'm there or I've been there mm. is so healing. And so I started going to meetings faithfully every week. I mean, you just have moments to share things and to read and just to maybe have somewhere to feel the spirit when literally you are not so sure if you're feeling it anymore. Um, so I started doing that for a while, maybe about six months. So I was learning everything there could be about recovery, addiction, healing. And, and you were still married. Yes. Um, we didn't really talk about anything. He was not, he wasn't he doing anything, the, but I was just doing You were doing that. Thing. Did right. he know you were going? Yes. Yep. He knew. Yeah. Um, so we just kept it all to ourselves and I did my own thing with these support groups. And then maybe about six months, I really, <laughs> I don't, I don't remember the timeline. I would if I actually like tried to write it down, but probably about six months after that, I 
and this happened many, many times, and many women that I've met have had similar experiences, but I had these very specific, clear, direct questions come to my mind from the spirit of, do this or ask your husband this question. And I have never had the spirit speak that directly to me. It was so cut and clear. Wow. And it's almost like so clear, you know, those moments, maybe you've had them or, the, you know, some of you listening have had that experience where the spirit tells you something and you, it's so undeniably the spirit that you are like, oh, I don't want to because I already know. Yeah. <laughs> I right? know what's going to happen or I know right. the answer. Like, yeah. oh. it was one of those where I was just like, oh, please no. Oh, wow. And so I, I, I followed through with that prompting and contacted him he he wasn't home right then he was like at work or driving home or something and i just fired away at all these questions pretty <laughs> pretty forcefully and boldly and he was in denial about a lot of stuff but i kept feeling this this impression of like no keep asking keep asking and eventually more information came out that somehow made everything worse when i thought mm. it already was pretty bad um, but more came out and it was just like, no, how can this be possible? The night went on and, you know, I just felt completely broken at this point. And then like a couple hours later, you know, he's like, well, then there's something else I need to tell you. And usually this is kind of what happens. It's called trickle. Um, oh gosh, what's the word? Disclosure, trickle disclosure where, you yeah, know. A little more, a little more. And that's kind of how it's going. I mean, the way an addiction is thriving too is from secrecy and lies. And so that's a huge part to get over and work through in recovery. So at the beginning, it it may come out as trickle dis disclosure as, you know, they're remembering things or they're getting a little bit more comfortable or feeling safe enough to share things, Yeah, which is not really healthy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, anyone out there, do not do that. Don't unload it all at once. Um, it's just, it's kind of rehashing and cutting back open a wound for those that you're sharing it with. Um, eventually, they do need to know those things. I'm not saying to hide those. Um, but it's just so incredibly painful to try to grapple with. I'm trying to hold this this ball of, you know, something that can't be held together already and it's impossible and things are falling out of my hands. Oh, let me just give you like 10 more of those things. Mm. And it, it's just unbearable. And so, you know, more information came out and with some of those things that he shared, it was just, it was too much for me. Yeah. The way I've explained it before was I literally didn't know that you could hurt so much and still be breathing. Mm. It, it it was almost like that, like, how much longer can I keep crying? Like, I, you know, or like, you know, getting to the point of like screaming and shouting out of anger because of actual deep pain that it's like, shouldn't my voice just like stop? Shouldn't it just yeah. give out by now? There's and nothing left, right? Right. Um, and, and yet at the same time, there's everything inside. It was horrific. By this point, it literally is like, I am shattered beyond repair. You know, it was kind of like, I still am questioning, like, did I even, you know, should I have even married this person? Not only because of, you know, maybe what he struggles with, but just how I felt, you know, was this right. even right, you know, for me or, you know, to do to him? And then this, you know, it was just kind of like, there is no way out of this. So how did you, I mean, what ended up happening? So by that point, luckily, I kind of was armed with all this knowledge from the spouse support groups through the church. And so I was like, well, I know about this, 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 and that. And so here you go. Like, I basically had learned about all these boundaries. And I said, look, I'm willing to stay in this marriage and try to figure out what is best for both of us. 
you know, if you're willing to do these things, like I will stay and do these things. If you're willing to go to therapy weekly, if you're willing to go to these classes, because I'm going to be doing the same, but I will not stay in this home. I will not stay in this marriage. You know, like this is the line for me. It was like, I'm wasting no time, you know? And he was very, very upset. Um, I think I had called like two of his sister's-in-law because I literally just couldn't take it. I didn't share anything with my family, but I just got it out. And he was very, very livid that I even told anybody his secret. And I was just like, I can't bear this weight. You know, I literally feel like I'm going to break. Like I would go to work just like kind of walking around on the verge of tears every day. It just, I wasn't functioning. Um, So we started living and breathing recovery just 24 seven, basically. Um, and so we, we did that, um, and maybe six months or so passed, um, there's so much that happened, but I started going to a women's group therapy that was life changing for me being actually like really, really connected with women in this very safe place. The support group meetings had done wonders, but I kind of felt for whatever reason I needed to transition out of that after about a year, it was just not what I needed to be doing for whatever reason. Some people do that for a long time. Do whatever is right for you. Um, for me, I started this group therapy. Um, my husband at the time kept doing uh, lots of therapy and support groups. Mm. I think he was, uh, or uh, 12-step groups. He was doing multiple groups, I think, too. Awesome. Um, th- there's multiple ones you can go to through different sure. places. Um, and anyway, a- about that same time, um, I think, uh, so with my job, my job's really unique. But anyway, I, I work at universities, um, at either the location or remotely. And I don't interpret through ASL, but I actually type on a computer, basically live closed captioning for deaf or hard of hearing students. Oh, wow. Um, so I get to sit in all these like college classes and just listen if I want to <laughs> really pay attention, I guess yeah. I should say if I want to. And one of them just happened to be all about uh, the autism spectrum. And it was just so fascinating to learn about because I don't know much about it. Um But as the teacher uh, was talking about stuff throughout the semester, there were some things that really started to stand out to me Hmm. that I started thinking, I think my husband does that. And I was like, no, you know, because I was like, but maybe it's just an addict behavior too, you know, like not understanding emotions sometimes or cues. But I was like, I don't know. But the more and more the semester went on, I really was just kind of convinced, like, I think this is going on also. Yeah. And eventually I talked to him about it and he admitted that he had kind of had the suspicion for probably over 10 years that he had Asperger's. Yeah. That he, you know, was on that, that spectrum in that area. Um, and he ended up opening up and sharing about how he always felt like he didn't understand conversations. Mm. Um, he didn't understand like why people would laugh or when to laugh. He had to teach himself intonation of voice after his mission. Like people couldn't stand him a lot of the time. Wow. And he just felt left out and kind of bullied a lot. Um, but so some of those things I was just like, oh my word. And it was kind of like this huge, massive light bulb for me. Because up until this point, I mean, he, we've been living and breathing recovery, but he wasn't finding sobriety, you know, abstaining from these things that he was struggling with for more than like two weeks at a time, for years now at this point. And it was kind of getting frustrating, <laughs> like, to I be honest. Imagine, so I was like, what in the world is happening? Like, we're doing all these things, but you, like, not to be mean, but some people with addictions, you know, if they try to find recovery, they want nothing to do with it, right? They're not ready for it. Um, and they fight, fight, fight. Um, and they can, you know, 
not be the nicest people to be around because True. they're struggling in, in such a rough place. Um, he wasn't like that. I mean, we, we had really, really difficult moments. I will say that um, it was not an easy time through all of this at all. Um, but he wasn't fighting recovery. Um, yeah. He was doing all these things, but there really was no increased... Uh, kind of a lack of connection progress to it. Yeah, there was just like, why? Like, to me, it was like A plus B equals C, and we're getting mm. A plus B equals nothing. Like, <laughs> some of your thinking is changing, but like, why don't you have a month? Why don't you have this? Yeah. I mean, it had been like maybe two years up at this point. Um, and I was just really confused. And so when I brought up this idea of like maybe Asperger's, it was almost just like this oh, my word, this makes sense. So with Asperger's, too, it's like anyone on the spectrum is making. Any type of change is extremely difficult. Very difficult. It's, yeah. you know, met with a lot of anxiety and pushback. Um, and if changes are made, they're better made slowly and incrementally. And so a lot of things were making sense. I mean, issues he'd have with just like not understanding things or me just like literally like, I mean, just bawling my eyes out and begging for stuff. And he would just kind of sit there and be like, I don't know what to say to you. And for yeah. me, I was like, addict behavior. But I kind of got to a point after I learned more about Asperger's and the spectrum of kind of being able to tell probably through the spirit and just knowing him well enough to say, <laughs> this is totally addict mode. Like, hey, like, come on, like, get a grip. Like, right now, you're doing this. Yeah. Like, let's chill out and you need to fix this and you know, whatever. And other times it really was just so clear, like he does not get this, you know? And, and so that kind of helped clarify my mind a bit. Um, so that kind of started coming into light. Um, then <laughs> um, this women's group I was in, I'd been doing it for about a year. And at the very end of it, we were covering these things that kind of talked about how you have to accept everything about yourself and everything about your life to really move forward and heal. Mm. And to kind of be able to, she says it in a way of like, if you don't accept your whole story, it will define you. But yeah, if you do, you can, you can own it and change it mm -hmm. and define your own ending. And I remember kind of fighting, like pushing back against that with my therapist. I was like, no, like that cannot be true. Like you don't get it. Like I'm at this weird place. I don't want to accept that I possibly married like someone I don't even love. And like all this stuff that I've been through, it's awful. Like I don't want to accept it. Like you don't understand. I basically was at such a point where I just wanted to kind of find a time machine and wake up in the 80s and like redo life. Yeah. <laughs> like avoid all pain from my own mistakes, sins, sure. people. Um, I get that. I really... Like, I cannot tell you how fervently I just wish there was some way to erase all of my history that I regretted or felt pain from in my life. Mm. I wasn't even considering, you know, the atonement of Christ. I literally was so convinced, like, I've messed up. I have been hurt extremely. I don't want any of this. Like, I don't want to go on with my life having this as my story. I don't want it at all, like isn't there a way you can just like get rid of this? Because yeah. if I can't, uh, I don't know how I'm going to go on. You know, I really felt extremely desperate. And somehow this idea started, I don't know, maybe just kind of lingering around in my mind a little more, like maybe it's real. Maybe there is some truth to this whole idea of like accepting myself and it'll help. But really, I honestly thought it was total garbage <laughs> because I was like, no, that sounds really painful. Why yeah. would I want to accept this? Completely accept everything. Why? I don't want to accept that I made a massive mistake, you know? Sure. I want to forget it. I want to forget it forever. Um, 
I learned this really cool story at the same time about uh, the difference between buffalo and cows. This sounds really weird bringing this up, but it's really incredible. Um, so there's this difference between these two animals. Cows, when there's this oncoming storm, they see it and they literally turn the other way and they're like, let's get out of here. And they totally run to avoid the storm when in all reality, the storm catches up to them. And they're probably in it longer yeah. because it's just going right along with them as yeah. they're, you know, whatever, running through the it's fields. Um, but buffalo, on the other hand, actually turn and face the storm hmm. and go the opposite direction. So it passes over them and they get through it quicker. And I remember learning that and just kind of this was another idea that I was like, maybe if the cows and the buffalo story is true, maybe it could be true for me. You know, I was like, I don't know. But it kind of just started... There was some hope in that, thinking yeah. like, maybe if I actually accept these things, it can it. make me whole. Lean I don't really believe it. it, but I'd like to, so right. I'm going to think sounds, about this. Sounds great. So at the same time, I also learned all these stories, right? Um, I also learned about this Japanese art called kintsugi. Yeah. Kintsugi, super weird word. Um, but it's, it's this Japanese art of mending broken pottery with gold-dusted lacquer. And so normally you'd think like if something's broken, especially like some type of pottery or the ceramic bowl or whatever it might be, you want to put it back together so it looks flawless and perfect. So you right. can't even see any hint of damage. Yeah. But this is completely the opposite. This is highlighting every breaking point in this piece. <laughs> so it is just shining through with gold. And it's really remarkable. And you know, they talk about it also of like making the piece more meaningful because it's been broken. It has more value. I kind of take it a little bit further because that doesn't sit well with me. I don't like the idea of like, hey, as a person, you're more valuable and have more meaning and life is more beautiful because you've been broken. broken. Yeah. I think it's you're more broken because you've been put back together mm. in this beautiful way because brokenness is really painful, actually. <laughs> like, no, that's not yeah. beautiful. It's really awful, actually. Um and so I, I kind of started holding on to that idea, too, and looking into that. And then I also realized, like, I had fallen into this trap of believing that literally there was no way out of this misery of, you know, possibly making this mistake of marriage and all the pain that I had felt within it, um, unless I could just do away with it. Mm. And I, I had believed that there was nothing to save me, <clears throat> nothing to give me peace, nothing to heal this. And I realized I'd bought into this huge lie that the atonement of Christ didn't even exist. Like, mm. I just realized that had never even come to my mind. Like, I, it was like I had completely forgot that it was even a thing. <laughs> wow. And so I started, I started really trying to think about those things. Um, it was a really hard time. I had been kind of avoiding God for a long time. I struggled sure. being at church for so many things that were going mm. on in this marriage, in my own mind, and whatever it might have been at this time. It was a very, very dark, isolating, confusing, scary time. I can only imagine, though, you've, you've already, I mean, you're dealing with anxiety. You've dealt with depression. <laughs> it's like amped you've up. You've got a husband who's an addict who you find out is on the spectrum. Right. You're trying to make And I feel like I had my own self-betrayal by shoot, like this probably wasn't even what I wanted in the first place. And you're grappling with the fact that, yeah, you hadn't listened mm -hmm. to the spirit. Yeah. All I didn't things, really know who to trust. I couldn't trust myself. This is quite a blender that you've put together. You know, I like not to that complicated. You have, but you know, that you have, I shouldn't <laughs> yeah. say that you've put together, yeah. but that is your life right now. I mean, that's a yeah. lot of ingredients <laughs> mixing together right now, Jenny. I'm just, I'm exhausting. blown away by this. Of course it's exhausting. Yeah. So I was what ended up happening? 
So uh, uh, honestly, I wish I had this cool story of like, I did these two things and my life changed forever. Here's the recipe to success. Um, I don't have that answer. I don't think anybody does, right? by the way. I Jenny. wish I did. No, that doesn't exist. Right? But I got this sense from the spirit that was basically just this comforting reassurance of the Lord knows where you're at. You know, he doesn't want you to make an excuse of not doing things, but he gets where you're at and he knows why. And even though you haven't been turning to him, he has actually been with you. Like Heavenly Father and the Savior have like been by you, even when you have like been really angry with them, you know, haven't turned to them. And I just got this feeling of whatever you can do now, he understands and he's going to, he's going to use that for your good. Like he'll Mm. take what you can give, which literally I didn't have much. I just kind of felt like over time, the light just kind of got clearer Mm. and I felt a little more confident in myself. Um, And eventually I felt it was the right thing at least to separate from my husband. And so I separated, I moved to my own place and I told my family all about it like days before. (laughs) They had no clue what was going on in my entire marriage. Wow. Um, and so then, you know, I, I send this like 10 paragraph email of like, Hey, let me tell you a story. And by the way, I'm suffering. <laughs> See you later. Have a nice Saturday. You know, it was oh, just, oh, it was Jenny. so terrifying to send that, but it was just like, here we go. How long were you married before you got separated? Three years. Three years. Yeah. So I, I literally counted as a miracle that somehow I saw some type of light and trusted myself to like, go look at apartments and like townhomes. I mean, I literally am like, kind of like, wow, bravo self. Like, how did you do that? Yeah. To me, that was part of the atonement of Christ somehow enabling me, which sounds a little weird. I think sometimes when people hear that, like <laughs> the spirit was helping you leave your husband. Um, but yes, in this situation for me, yes, completely. Um, not always the same for people, other people. But so I, I left, I separated, and strangely for me, then too, I almost felt like this was like <laughs> a secondary hell um, because I'd left this horrible home situation, you know, with things that were happening with this addiction of my husband at the time. And all of a sudden now I'm living alone, you know, like going to sleep with no one around, waking up to silence, coming home to no one, having to take care of everything alone. You know, we didn't have children, but it was just yeah, that isolation Mm. was so, it was crushing. Like I literally remember feeling and telling people at the time, like, I feel like I'm having withdrawals from drugs. This is so painful Mm. because I was so used to being around someone. Yeah. Even though the marriage and like the healthy sense was never there, I'd kind of tried to make him be someone for me, you know, like um, be that type of person for me that I could rely on and turn to. Um, And so separating from that and kind of just all the pain that I'd been through and trying to live this new normal, but, do it alone (laughs) was so it was so excruciating and i was kind of i was kind of upset with with god like hey wait a second like i did this thing i felt like it was right there were miracles that got me to that place literal miracles and then i was like well this feels awful too like what the heck like you know and it's like do i (laughs) tell this ward i'm in now like i mean it was so weird they're like and now we'll like tell like these new members have been brought into our ward you know jenny so-and-so and it was just like oh cool i'm standing up and i'm alone yay, like, now I'm going to run out and cry because I don't want to be here because I just love my husband. You know, it was just such this weird time. And I'm like, well, by plus, the way, I have no one to tell this to, you know? You weren't like, really, you weren't divorced. No, but you weren't married. it was so weird. Like, I couldn't start single. making a social life. Yeah, you were. It was just so awkward. And then people would be like, so what do you do? Or, you know, like, do you work? Like, are you married? And I'm like, 
<laughs> what do I tell you? Yeah. Oh, wait, I'm about to start crying and you don't even know me. This is oh, so comfortable. Hard. You yeah. know, it was just so, it was so delicate and messy. I just say that word a lot, but that is really the best word to describe mm. it. It was just sure. messy. I didn't know the answers. I didn't know how to go through this. Oh, well, there's it was just not exactly crazy. a good manual for this. No, there is Everything no you just manual. Explained, there's not a manual. No. And everybody processes things differently. Right. I would turn to other women that have been through this and, you know, the most thing that they could offer, which I appreciated more than anything, was just listening to me and loving me. Yeah. You know, I wanted answers, but you don't have any, right. you know? Yeah. Oh, it was so uncomfortable. Oh, Jenny, that just so- sounds... <laughs> Sounds it was just horrible. difficult. It was difficult. Some really cool things happened to me at this time that really, to me, were the Lord being like, uh, it was the Lord telling me, I know what you're going through, and mm. I'm going to let you know that. Um, and he was still there. Yeah, he was still there. So I started going to the temple again. I hadn't gone for a long time, um, just because I was basically avoiding God at every right. turn. I didn't want to be anywhere where I thought I could hear him. <laughs> and going to the temple is a terrible way to avoid It's God. so silent there. I was yeah. like, of course he's going to talk to me and I don't want to hear it. Yeah. I still was in this really weird place where I was like, I don't want to know if I married the wrong person. Like I really was still resisting it, even though I kind of wow. knew and I was planning yep. like divorces, right? Sure. So anyway, um, started going to the temple and it was just life changing for me. I couldn't get enough of it. I felt like I should be going there all the time. And it was like the Lord was like, hey, you haven't been here for X amount of time, but you're coming now and let me catch you up to speed, you know? And I kind of felt like Mm -hmm. he was like, hey, you need to know these things. You need to feel this. You need to understand that. And literally within about a month's time, I remember getting this impression from the spirit of Heavenly Father knows why you want to leave this marriage and he understands and Mm -hmm. it's okay. And And I believed it. I didn't question myself. I didn't believe that I was making it up. And that was the first time in years. And wow. so I literally was like, this is right. Okay. And that that was a big deal for me. Um, it took me a few more months to file for the divorce, just trying to figure some things out, <laughs> lots of things out. Um, but I felt confident and calm and at peace about it. And so I mm. moved forward with divorce. Um it was a crazy time. That was only yeah. just last uh, October that it was finalized. So it has not been that long. Whoa. Okay, Jenny, <laughs> so, like I said at the beginning, I don't know you at all, but I'm picturing this five years ago. No. Yeah. This was October. Yeah. I had to kind of remind myself like, oh, that's right, honey. It's only been six so months. So this was six months just ago breathe. you went through You can this. relax. <laughs> yeah. Jenny, wow. Yeah. Wow. So that has not been long at all. So tell all. us where you are now. Flash forward six months. <laughs> Flash I, forward I six months, I've yeah. noticed, you know, again, I, everything I know about you other than sitting here is from Instagram. <laughs> but, um, but you now also help teach these classes in Kintsugi. Yes. Which I think that Kintsugi, and if people... People should follow your Instagram <laughs> because You're it's so a great nice. Instagram. And again, it's Broken to Beautiful it is. is your name, which yep. is again what intrigued me at the beginning but you have several examples of kintsugi on your instagram i do and you go on uh, you teach classes like is this something that if a relief society wanted to do yes. it or something or young women's it seems <laughs> yes. like you're the right person they right? could get a hold of you and have you come out and teach it now do you find broken pottery or do you break it and then we rebuild it break it, it? <laughs> you break it yes yeah yeah so It's been really neat. My story 
really coincides. I, I think it matches up really well with this. Yeah. Um, and so, and I got to do it myself during my marriage um, at a retreat I went to. And before, like I already known about it. Um, and then I got to do it. And once I realized how, you know, the supplies they were using and just how they were doing this, I realized I could do this. Yeah. I, I could get this for people and I could show this to other women. This is awesome. And so I actually started doing that like the month right before I separated. Hmm. Um, just in my home, I was like, I'll just try yeah. it out. You know, it's kind of those, you know, just out of nowhere things. I'm like, I'll just invite some friends and do this. <laughs> yeah. And so I did. And, um, it was a while before I did it again, but so I've done it for like women's group therapies. I've done it for relief societies, groups of just sisters or close friends, groups of women that just meet together mm. and maybe discuss different things. Um, I'm totally even willing just to do it like one-on-one or like a group of three people. I don't care. So I, I buy all the supplies and bring them wherever and we get to like break bowls with hammers. I wish we could like... Maybe this sounds bad, but I wish we could like throw them, you know, <laughs> sounds like a lot more stress relieving, you <laughs> like know, just like, wedding, oh, you know, <laughs> throw them down. Right. Yeah. But yeah. So we, we break them, which sometimes is a really like emotional experience sometimes. I bet. It's kind of be like, I got to break this perfect thing. Like nothing's wrong with it. Um, but we break the bowls and I tell them, you know, how, how to do this. I've, sh- I share some of my stories about feeling broken depending mm. on the audience or, you know, who they are, or what they're wanting to hear, or their age. Sure. Um, so they get to do that, and then they put the the pieces back together, and I've got some nice pretty music on in the background that usually is about healing or beauty or brokenness. Wow. Um, and so they get to do that, and it's so there's just so many things you can relate it back to with life, right. you know, like it, it can be frustrating putting these bowls back together because the glue takes like three minutes to dry. And sometimes you think it's ready and you start getting another piece on and those two other pieces you had uh, just fall apart. <laughs> and so it's interesting. It's kind of like, hmm, this is similar to life. Like sometimes you think you've got things put back together, but uh, you might need a little more time there. Um, you've got to really look at the pieces to make sure you understand how they fit together and you have to be patient. <laughs> which is the hardest part, I think, for anybody. Um, and it's so relatable to life, you know, and and sometimes there are pieces you cannot get back in because of maybe how the glue takes up a different space. Yeah. So some women have bowls that have like a hole left in them, just like mm. a, a couple pieces that won't fit anymore. And I actually think that is extremely beautiful to kind of look at it and say like, this is missing now, but the bowl is still it's put back together. Like yeah. it's whole in a different way. And there's a beauty about it that's different. And for me, I see Kintsugi as, you know, the gold that you fill it in with to bind it back together is the atonement of Christ. Is he sees us as whole. He sees us how mm. we can be, but we have to do it with him. There is no other way yeah. for it to be put back together. And he doesn't want us to be put back together without any trace of him in it. Because first of all, it's not even possible. And so I love that the Kintsugi shows that he has entered you in at those broken pieces. Mm. Because we all have them. We've got to have that broken heart for him to even be there. So that's Sometimes what I, I do. Think we have to be broken. We really right? do to let him in. We have no need for him if we're not. It's a good point. Like <laughs> perfection requires yeah. no savior. And that's the glue. And that's the yeah. beauty. And I've looked at some of those pieces. And it's stunning. And I look at you and I really understand it all now. I see the parallels between your life and Kintsugi. That you're taking your broken pieces and beautifying them and showing them how beautiful it can be. And you're doing a lot of speaking now. You've started speaking and yeah. doing these classes. And for our listeners, I would recommend, really recommend following Jenny's Instagram. Again, it's Broken to Beautiful. 
and reaching out and having this experience. I want to do it. I'm like, you I know? love talking to people. I, I love trying to, to really be there for people in general, but especially women. I want to be that kind of woman that hopefully will not judge you and listen to you because yeah. I've got some of that empathy and compassion from my I own story. I think it's a beautiful time to be a member of the church, and it will only get better in that there was, and this has been a common theme with guests, there was a time where we all felt like we had to walk out our door, leave our imperfections mm-hmm. behind, right. go to church being perfect, and now it's a place for the broken. I mean, that's really why we go. Right. And the more that people like you share your story, the more it empowers the rest of us to say, here's what I've been through. Here's what I'm going through now. A lot of people also want to wait until it's all fixed and then say, okay, here's my journey. But gosh, I think the more people can open up. I am so happy that you came here and shared your story. Yeah, I'm so grateful you let me come here and Phenomenal. It's an incredibly (laughs) beautiful story. We're going to finish tonight with the question that we ask all of our guests, which is, Jenny Cooper, what does being a member of the church mean to you? Oh, so many things. But to try to sum it up in a really brief statement, I would say that being a member of the church to me means understanding and actually believing and acting on hope. That there actually is hope no matter what. Um, I I have said for many, many years that I am just so grateful that we can learn and change and become. I am beyond, beyond grateful for that. That mm. that is a reality. I am so incredibly grateful for that, that that is possible through the atonement of Christ. So for me, it's hope. She is a speaker, a survivor, a Kintsugi instructor, in fact, the first Kintsugi instructor I've ever met, (laughs) and definitely a very special daughter of God, Jenny Cooper. Thank you for coming on and sharing your Latter-day life with us. My special thanks to Jenny Cooper. She is just incredible. I think she's going to go on to inspire so many people with her faith and her perseverance and through this uh, art of kintsugi. I really need to try it sometime because it sounds so peaceful and wonderful, even though I have zero art skills. I think it would be great. Uh, This week in my Latter-day Life, we received a new review on iTunes, and I was especially thrilled with this one. It was uh, from one of our listeners named Monty, and a while back, maybe a couple months ago, Monty reached out to me, just sent me the nicest message, just saying he enjoyed the show and that he was from a part of California where he thinks he may have met my mom uh, and maybe my dad. They were in the same stake, at least. And then we realized I had been in that stake for a little while in Northern California. We just kind of compared notes and we started sending some messages back and forth to each other. And uh, we have a lot in common. We're about the same age. We both uh, travel for our jobs doing sales, and we, we enjoy the same kind of music. He's a Disneyland fan as well, and we've just struck up this friendship. Well, during one of the episodes where I talked about my grandfather and his construction business in Orange County, somehow that triggered something in Monty's head that he remembered uh, something about his uncle and, and his uncle's construction company in Orange County, and, and maybe something connected to my grandfather. Uh, He sent me a message and I talked to my dad and my dad said, oh yeah, yeah, I know Monty's uncle and and, uh, knew the names and everything. And so Monty and I kind of sent these messages back and forth, which led Monty to get on Family Search and uh, look at our names 
And it turns out Monty and I are third cousins. We are actually family. What are the odds? Isn't that amazing? I just love it. I love family history. I'm not good at it. I don't do it regularly. I don't really understand it all. But finding stuff like this, that our great-grandparents were uh, were siblings, just amazing. And I just love it. And when Monty told me that, I was just thrilled. So now we're planning on meeting up at some point, getting together. And uh, But he left me a nice review. So thank you to my third cousin, Monty. I love the gospel and how it ties us all together. And family history is just wonderful. Another cool, cool experience. And that is what is happening this week in my Latter-day Life. If you want to get a hold of me, I can be reached at sean at latterdaylives.com. S-H-A-W-N at latterdaylives.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You can also get a hold of us that way. Uh, But until next week, when we'll put together another great episode for you, please remember, as always, there is a great, big, beautiful world out there. So go be in it, just not of it. Thanks for listening. (laughs) 